Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Joshua 9, and uh, I'll start, I guess, with verse 11 and give us a little orientation here from the Scripture, and then we'll go from there this morning. I'll probably be more so in a teaching mode here today, amen, but nevertheless, God's Word is God's Word, whether it's taught or preached, Amen. Joshua chapter number 9, verse number 11. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey and go to meet them, saying to them, We are your servants. Therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took hot, for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry and it is moldy. These bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they be rent. These are garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. The men took of their victuals, excuse me, and asked, not counsel at the mouth of the Lord and Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live and the princes of the congregation swear unto them amen for just a little while this morning I'd like to teach very simply very simply this be not deceived. Be not deceived. And I, th- I think we have good reason uh, to speak about that from the collective, collective verses of Scripture I read in your hearing and also just the, bi- the Bible in its entirety. Be not deceived. Can we ask right now the Lord to help us? Father, I come to you today. I'm so thankful, Lord Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. I pray, oh, Lord, today you're able to help us in the next few moments, Lord, to this service. God, we're so thankful, God, for your people that have come out to the house of the Lord this morning. We pray, oh, God, that you're able to minister to their lives. And I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, find a lodging place, God, for your heart, your word, rather, in our heart this morning. And we'll not fail to thank you and praise you, God, for what you accomplished, Jesus, in this place today. God, for we know all things, Lord, according to your purpose and according to your will. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Tell your neighbor, be not deceived. Be not, be not deceived. Amen. This morning. To get a little bearings, little bearings today for our story here in Joshua chapter number nine. Um, the story is such, the, the, the book of Joshua is a time in which the children of Israel has finally went into the land of promise. 
It finally went into the land of Canaan that had been promised them. And they are, they are on a journey, a conquest, if you will, of overcoming adversaries and enemies that are in the land. They are going to try to inhabit the allotments of land that have been given to them by the ordinance of God. And so they are going in and they are driving out every adversary, every, every individual that is foreign to them so that they might inhabit the land. And as it was oft times with the children of Israel, their, repu their reputation preceded them. Uh, word got out ahead of them very quickly of all of the exploits that they were doing concerning uh, being victorious in the battles that they were fighting. On the opposite side of Jordan, on the opposite side of Jordan, where Canaan was not before they ever passed over the Jordan, they had already conquered some foe. They had already conquered uh, some lands and some kings and enemies. They have already uh, went by the, the, the means here of, of Jericho. They've already had the walls fall down flat. They have already fought against Ai on two occasions, lost the first time, won the second time. And so there are already some exploits uh, concerning their victories that are preceding them. And so when the enemy hears of the victories of the children of Israel, he has, he has a response. He has a response. The enemy always, and let me preface this, the enemy always has a response to your victory. There is no such thing as him being idle. He always has a response to your victory. And so whenever there was word about their victories and what they were doing and how they were becoming very dominant in the land and overcoming others, the Bible tells us, and I, I want to read just a little bit more of the story, Sister McGee, of Joshua 9, uh, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side, Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the, Hitt the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, all the ites, all right, heard thereof, they heard of it, it preceded the Israelites, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. And so whenever the enemy heard of their victory, he decided to join forces. It was a joining the forces of several different adversaries here uh, to come against Israel, to come against these people. They are going to fight a battle. But there is another group that's a part of our story. There's another group that, that is not numbered among the, the Hivites and the Hittites and the Canaanites, these that gather together to go face-to-face, -face, head on war against the Israelites. There is another group and they are of Gibeon. They are the Gibeonites. And their 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 way to Israel is not meeting them head on as being an enemy, but meeting them head on as being one that Israel should get in the bed of alliance with. See, so we have two two different ways in which the enemy is approaching those that are posing a threat. He'll fight you head on or he'll try to come in the back door and have you make an alliance with him without you understanding what you're making an alliance with. <laughs> and so we got to be very, very conscious about the tactics of the adversary. And so the Bible says that these Gibeonites, whenever they heard what 
Joshua and what Israel had done in Jericho and Ai, that they went and they, they, they made some tools, if you will, of deception. They were going to leave where they were from, which was Gibeon, and go to Gilgal, which is only, understand this, only a 16-mile trip, all right? Only a 16-mile trip, and they are going to take with them some old sacks from where they're from. Not taking new sacks, they're taking old sacks from where they're from. They're going to grab the old, what they call the old bottles of, of wine or the old wine skins that are, that are rent, got, you know, look like they've been war, look like they've been around for a few days. The bread that they grab is not the hot bread out of the oven, but they're going to grab some old moldy bread and some old shoes and they're going to put on some old garments that, that look like, you know, they should be somewhere else besides being upon a body. And they're going to make that 16-mile trip trip and they are going to come to to the leaders of Israel they're even going to come to Joshua and they're going to tell them hey we we heard about everything that you all been doing we heard about the great success that you've had all throughout this land and whenever we heard this we thought you know what those would be some great people to make a league with. Those would be some great people to join forces and arms with. You know, fight the same things that they fight. Defend the same things that they defend. And so whenever they come to Joshua with their story, they say, we're from a very far country. 16 miles away. We're from a very far country. See, see look at this. Look at our bread. You know, when we left home, it was fresh out of the oven. But look at it. Mold has come upon our bread. Look, look, look at the shoes. You can see my big toe, you know, through my sandal. <laughs> I'm just joking. You, 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 you. These things are worn. The strap's not even keeping the sole on my foot. And, and look at my garments. Man, these were all posh and everything was well. But I got strings hanging from this thing. I'd be embarrassed, you know, to wear. But I've been on a long journey. Long journey. The, the wine skins, they're kind of rub. I've been on a long journey. And the Bible says that when Joshua and the elders heard uh, what they were speaking and seen what they saw, and they took all of this into consideration, they thought, you know what, these guys probably have been on a long journey. And they, they really would like to make a league with us. And no doubt they, it'd be nice to have somebody fight alongside us against the things that we're fighting and defend along beside us the things that we are defending. But whenever it comes down to it the Bible says in verse 14 that I read in your hearing that the men this is speaking of the men of Israel they took of their victuals or they took of all those things that they had brought and, and they looked at them they considered them they felt them they seen them with their eyes but here was the faux Paul here was the faux Paul in verse number 14 and they asked not the counsel at the mouth of the Lord they took everything for what it appeared to be. They took everything for how it felt to be. You know, that does feel pretty worn. They took everything for what the appearances were. And, and Joshua, bless his heart, and the nation of Israel did not seek the counsel of the Lord. And the Bible says they made a league with these gentlemen. What they did not know is that these Gibeonites were just 16 miles away. They were at a place that just three days from now they would be entering for the purpose of conquering their land and getting their inheritance. 
But their adversary, rather than coming face to face with them, says, no, we're going to come face to face, but through the ploy that we're on their side. We're on their side. And what happened was the age-old tactic of the adversary. They came to them by a means of deception. They came by a means. Folks, I've said it before, but it bears saying again. And that is this. the, the, The adversary, the devil, he doesn't have any new tricks. He doesn't have any new... He, he might use different things, but his tricks are still the same. He, was, he, he, he entered a liar and he's still a liar. He entered a deceiver and he's still a deceiver. His tricks have not changed. And so we, we, we got to wake up and we got to come to awareness this morning that if he showed up in the garden as a serpent to beguile Adam and Eve, he'll show up in your life and my life today with the same tactic of trying to be a deceiver, a liar, a cheater. Amen. Because oftentimes your enemy's not going to come face to face to you, opposing you. But he's going to try to make you think that he's on your side. Amen. Amen. Israel was deceived by this supposed evidence that they had. What were the Gibeonites trying to do? I think this is important if we go to verse number 24 of Joshua 9. This is important, really, what the Gibeonites, the enemies, were trying to do. They said and answered whenever all this came out that they had deceived them. They answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God, his servant Moses, commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were sore afraid of our lives because of you, and we have done this thing do you hear what the enemy just said whenever we heard about your success whenever we i almost filmed preaching coming on here in a minute when we heard about your success and we heard about your victories and we heard how you were going through the land and you were taking down every foe and every enemy whenever we heard about that he said we were sore afraid for our lives and that's the reason why we came to you and attempted to deceive you because we knew our end was certain Can I tell somebody this morning the reason why deception may have showed up at your house and in your life is because the adversary already knows concerning your success and he is so afraid about what may happen for his future if you continue going down that straight path and that straight road and so he showed up in your life to try to beguile you and deceive you because he's afraid of the outcome if he knows. He's afraid of the outcome. Folks, it was deception in the garden. It was deception in the garden. As a matter of fact, in in the New Testament, in Luke 21 and verse 8, Jesus, during his earthly ministry, his disciples... Lord's talking about a day that's going to come even beyond the day that they were living in. And they wanted to know, Master, 
how shall these things be? When is the timing of these things? And this was his response in Luke 21 and verse 8. Notice the first phrase. And he said, take heed that you be not deceived. He goes on and he talks about wars and rumors of wars. He goes on, he talks about false prophets and, and false Christ. And he goes on and talks about a myriad of other things. He said, but the very core of it all for your success in the last days is that to be not what are you saying then, Pastor McGee? I'm saying I think a lot of our success in our church life, in our Christian life, lays simply upon that very fact. We could start dotting all the I's and crossing the T's of the details and the particulars, but it all really comes down to this. Sir, ma'am, be not deceived by the devil. Be not deceived by the adversary. Don't allow him to come around your home, your life, cloaked, if you will, cloaked in the idea that I'm on your side. I'm fighting the same thing you're fighting and defending the same thing you're defending. Church family, be not deceived. Yeah. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens with deception. Here's what happens. Number one, and it's important to note this, the major problem, I've said it before, but a major problem with deception is you don't know when you're being deceived. Now, I know that's elementary, and that might seem real basic, but the problem with deception is you don't know when it's happening. So anybody says, well, they're not going to deceive me. That's kind of like the whole point of deception you don't know right so so the problem with deception you don't know when you're being deceived now look Deuteronomy chapter number 11 Deuteronomy 11 and verse number 16 because it gives for us it lays out for us this this slippery slope this path if you will of deception Moses is speaking in Deuteronomy 11 and Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel he was speaking to the old nation of Israel, not their children. He makes that plain in Deuteronomy 11. Speaking to the old nation, not their children. He's speaking to the group of Israelites that had seen the greatness of God and the mighty hand of God, the miracles and the great acts of God from the time of Egypt forward through their wilderness journey. And he's, he speaks to them and he's recalling to their minds uh, what, what God did here and what God did there and what God did here. And then he comes, look, he comes to verse number 16 because Deuteronomy is going to close out with Moses dying. Joshua's going to come into his stead and they're going to start that conquest in Joshua. They're going to enter the land of promise. And so Moses gives some words here in verse number 16. He says to this old nation that has seen all the wonders and the handiwork of God. He says, take heed to who? Yourselves. That your heart be not deceived. And ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Someone say amen. He says, he says, you need to be 
you need to recognize and take inventory of yourself that you be that your heart be not deceived and so we got a little process here many times we want to we want to concentrate upon everything that's out here huh when we sometimes need to be a lot of times me concentrating on what's what's right here deception always has an instigator but once the instigator spins his top the rest is up to me there will always be the serpent posing the question but the deception happens on this side (laughs) the the deception it might have been instigated there but it happens right here Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he says, take heed to yourselves. Those, those, that little phrase, take heed, it means this in the Hebrew. It means keep yourselves. Guard yourselves. Observe yourselves. Preserve yourselves. Restrain yourselves. It means build a hedge about yourselves you got to take take heed to yourselves and he says so your heart your heart that your heart be not deceived now what do we know about our hearts the bible says that our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it now here's what happens folks though Once you've been deceived, it's laid out there, right, in verse 16. Once you've been deceived, uh you accept something for what it's not. Once you've been deceived, you'll turn aside. See, this is the slippery slope of deception. After you're deceived, you'll turn aside. Because Joshua and the elders of the men thought they had come on a very long journey. Huh? Because of that, now they're willing to make an acceptance of a league with them. Hmm? Right? They turn aside. And the Bible says, and then you'll go after, serve, and worship false gods. You don't end up worshiping false gods without first having turned aside, without first having been deceived. Someone say amen. Amen. There's that turning aside aspect that happens after deception. To turn aside, it means you depart, you rebel, you revoke, you turn off or you withdraw. You turn aside. We, we, we read of it in the Old Testament many times when God's speaking to the nation of Israel. He'll oftentimes tell them, ye shall not turn aside neither to the left hand nor to the right hand he'll tell them at times you ye shall not turn aside from the commandment of the Lord ye shall not turn aside out of the way or from the way ye shall not turn aside I know I'm emphasizing that ye shall not turn aside from following the Lord he said this to the nation look at it in 1 Samuel 12 and verse number 20 when the Lord spoke this to them 1 Samuel 12 and verse 20 I'll probably read 21 too the Bible says And Samuel said, The people fear not. You have done all this wickedness yet. Turn not aside from following the Lord. What are they doing right now? Well, in this process of time, here we go. They believed. 
that they should have a king just like every other nation had a king. Let me even break it down a little bit further like this. They were deceived into thinking. Huh? They were deceived into thinking they needed a king. A human, fleshly, physical king. Just like every other nation had whenever God was already their king. So there it is. Deception. This is what we need. We're going to be benefited greatly by having this. It'd be great somebody to lead us and help us fight our battle. You hearing me? They were deceived in thinking that. And as a result, now the word of the Lord comes along because God knows the next step. You're deceived and then you'll be turned away. And he says, do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord. See what he's already addressing both of them, the serving false gods and turning aside. He said, don't be turned aside from following the Lord. Serve the Lord, worship the Lord, because he knows the process. Now look at verse number 21. And turn ye not aside, for then, see he knew, for then should ye go after vain things, which cannot deliver, for they are vain. Someone say amen. And so it is reoccurring. It's echoing throughout the scriptures. Be not deceived. Someone say amen. <laughs> Again, whenever they were to take heed, they, they, heed wasn't to be taken of the enemy and the many adversaries in the land. No, heed was to be taken about yourself. Because here's the fact of the matter. The, the, the enemy, the adversary, having an opposing force, you're never going to be totally rid of that while you're walking here upon this earth. That's fact. We, we live in a fallen world, a fallen society, and we are fallen humanity. There is always going to be a force to oppose us while we're living in this world. It's just evident. It's the facts of the matter. There is always going to be a fight or the Bible wouldn't constantly call us soldiers in the word of God and warriors in the word of God because he called us to a battlefield. He knew in these earthly lives there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a force. There's going to be opposition. So he's not telling us to take heed to that because it's evident. It's known that that's going to be there. He says, but in the midst of all that, you need to take heed to yourself. It's a temptation's not going away. Amen. Uh, opportunities for temptation's not going away. Amen. Sin is still yet rampant all through in the world. It's not going away anytime soon. It's still living in the land. But we got to take inventory concerning ourselves that we be not deceived. Because, see, what sin wants to do is somehow make an alliance with you. It makes you want to think that it serves the same purpose as everything else in your life. It works for the same thing. Huh? Because I guarantee it, we fall into sin whenever we think sin's not sin. And that's deception. Because the adversary knows if I, if I won't come them face to face, but I'll come in the back door through deception, I'll have them lay down with me where they wouldn't have laid down with me before facing them head on. But if I can put a little seed there, instigate some deception, and they'll believe that lie, and they'll believe that untruth, and they'll take it, yeah, but it's okay, it's all right, then I'll get them in bed with deception, and they'll start to turn away from what they love. They'll start to turn away from what God endorses. And before you know it, the very one that said, I'll never give up on 
on God. I'll never turn my back up on God. Is turning their back and giving up all because they have allowed themselves to be deceived. And so it's good practice just to pray every day, God, help me not be deceived. Because since I don't know when it's happening or taking place, and I might not be able to pick up on it, i got to work ahead stream and say, God, just help me, Lord, not to be deceived today. Huh? Or maybe like Joshua and some of them, help me, God, not just to accept the evidence at face value. But it's old moldy bread. It's torn around wineskins. It, it, it's garments that they've had to be on a long trip. All the, all the evidence is there, but they did not seek the counsel. Huh? They did not seek the counsel of the Lord. Here is a very good principle to live by. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how good it looks or appears and seems by visual that it lines up with everything that you are. You better seek the counsel. You, you better seek the counsel of the Lord. If the leader of Israel, Joshua, and the elders of Israel can be deceived, so can we if we seek not the counsel. Amen. If we seek not the counsel of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> it's not just taking the evidence. For one, in the Old Testament, whenever Isaac was on his deathbed and his vision had already grown dim, the Bible says, and his son Esau comes to him and he's seeking for the rightful blessing of the firstborn. Jacob tells, or rather Isaac tells his son, you go out to the field and you, you kill, take a deer, cook me some venison the way that I like it and bring it back to me and we'll eat, have this fellowship and I will bless you. And overhearing that was Isaac's wife and she loved Jacob seemingly and favored him more than, more than uh, uh, Esau. And, and uh, so she has Jacob go out and get one of the flock, one of the domesticated animals. And she kills it and she makes it to taste like the savory meat of venison. And so whenever Jacob goes in before his father Isaac, he has goat skins upon his hands and upon the nap of his neck because Esau was hairy and Jacob wasn't. And Esau was a man of the field and Jacob was more of a mama's boy, liked to hang around the house. And so Esau normally smelled like the field, you know, the dirt and the air that. And so he has on these goat skins, so he's going to smell like Esau. And he has the fur from the goats on, so he'll feel like Esau. And the meat's been prepared in such a way so that it tastes like the venison should taste. Right? And Isaac's already there 
blind the poor guy so he can't he can't perceive anything by that and yet whatever Jacob comes to him and says hear my father and he's like is that you Esau because he's doubting he's doubting because of what he heard he's doubting but he has him come come nigh come nigh he feels 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 him nap of his neck only got you here back there some morning but <laughs> He feels, I said, that, that feels like Esau. And that smells like the outdoors. Huh? Takes some of that, that what was supposedly venison and eats that. That, that taste. That taste. Well, you know what? Based upon the evidence. Huh? He puts forth his hand and lays it on the second born, not the first born. Pronounces a blessing upon him that cannot be revoked. And he goes out, and here comes in straggling Esau later. Father, I'm here. What are you doing here? Did not already bless you? And fear strikes the heart of Esau. He says, do you have but a blessing for Know what I've done, I've done. I can only give you the leftovers here, son. It's not very hopeful. What happened? Isaac was deceived. He couldn't see. It felt, like, it felt right. It smelled right. But where he was a little bit troubled, though, is in the way that it sounded. The way that it sounded. You know how, do you know how to keep things in proper order concerning not being deceived? That is, the more that you're acquainted with what God's voice sounds like. The more you keep acquainted with truth. In the olden days, they didn't have the 66 books to seek counsel of. They had to seek the counsel of God directly. But you know, even today, we have this afforded to us. Huh? We have this afforded to us. And whenever something's coming down the pike that feels right, uh-huh, looks right, even maybe and all these other things, you know what I need to do? I need to take the word of the Lord and lay that straight stick by that and see if the other one's straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to set that down. The more that I'm acquainted. And folks, that's one reason why it's so important. You have daily Bible reading. You listen whenever you come to church and there's preaching and there's teaching. Why? I tell you why. What we are doing is giving you a survival kit against deception. Amen. Someone say amen. A survival kit against deception. He was wondering about what he was hearing. He was wondering about what he was hearing. I told my wife just, uh, just Friday, we was on our way, I think, to conference, and uh, I had been listening to somebody preach through the week, and it could have been a number of them. I don't really remember which one it was. But nevertheless, said something very, very, very good, uh, profound yet revelatory even. The Bible says, I believe it's in John 10, the Bible says, Jesus says, my sheep, everybody say sheep, my sheep know my voice. The stranger, they will not, follow my sheep know my mm -hmm. it's not my sheep know how I feel huh man that feels right that's the shepherd <laughs> no no they know his voice now here's the thing this is what the preacher said that was so profound loved it greatly he said sheep are mature lambs didn't say the lambs know my voice. 
Not the immature ones. The mature ones, the sheep, know the voice. You know what's maturity is? Getting, huh? Getting familiar with the voice of the shepherd. I would dare say this, and I believe this is absolutely true. Immaturity, immature Christians are probably more apt to be deceived. I'm saying more apt, not always the case. More apt to be deceived than ones that know his voice. You see, the devil don't play fair. He'll, he'll use deception so much so that he'll believe, he'll have you to believe that it is truth. Do you understand that? He'll have you believe that it's truth or he'll have you believe, as he did those in the garden, that they deserved. Huh? You know, he'll take the one and he'll pin it against the many because they could eat of every tree that was in the garden except one tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what the devil did, he did, he turned their attention from everything they could have and just pointed at the one. Do you understand that? The one that he couldn't. And so in that, you deserve. I mean, you got all this else. You deserve to at least have this. I mean, you got everything. You deserve. You deserve that. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, my goodness, you all just live in such a great, wonderful, holy life and righteousness before God. This, this is just one little thing right here. You deserve that because you're a good Christian. You deserve that because you're so godly. You deserve You see what the devil does? He's trying to deceive. He's the instigator. He just places that thought in your mind. What do you do? He don't have to help anymore. You're going to go home. You're going to sleep on it. You're going to think about it. You know what? I have been pretty good. I've been living for God for X number of years. What in the world would it hurt? You know, I do deserve I do. And before you know it, you haven't taken heed and you are being deceived by your own heart. And if you allow that thing to manifest, it'll turn you aside and you'll be worshiping something you never intended to worship. Be not deceived. I got to keep track of time here. David said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. He said, I hate it. He said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. Now, Notice here this morning. Let me see if I can grab one more verse before I, I go on and I'll try to wrap this up. Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin, so on and so forth. Let's go here. Look what happens. So Joshua makes a league. Makes a league with what he doesn't realize at the moment. He has made a league with his adversary. He has made a league with his enemy. And since he has the laws of the land of that day, since he had done this, Three days from now, they're going to end up in Gibeon. They're going to make that 16-mile trip to Gibeon and find out these boys we've made a treaty with and a league with are ones that we should have been opposed to. They are our enemy. But see, they had already made a league with them. And according to the law, since they had made a treaty and a league with them, they could not reverse it at that moment. They could not then go and kill those boys. It's the law of the land was the law they could not do it they could not do that and so they were in league with something now they wish they weren't in league with they were joined arm in arm with something now if I could say it like this it seemed like they couldn't get away from has anybody ever been there 
got in a league with something that you found out later, I shouldn't have made that deal. But here's what I want to show you. The Bible tells us, look at it. There there is hope. Of course, there's always hope in the New Testament. That was the Old Testament. But look at the hope that was even given, the the, the wisdom that was even given in the Old Testament concerning this matter. Because of the laws of the land, they could not break that league or they could not break that treaty and, and come against them. Amen. The Bible says, the Bible says, if I can find it here real quick, it's in Joshua chapter 9 and verse number 22. And Joshua called for them, them who? These Gibeonites that they had made a league with. And he spake to them saying, Wherefore have you beguiled us? There it is. Deception saying, We are very far from you when you dwell among us. Now therefore, ye are cursed, and there shall, be, shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. Someone say amen. You know what, Joshua? You know what, Joshua? Came to terms with wisdom from God. He said, we made a treaty when we shouldn't have made a treaty. We were deceived, and we found it out now. He said, but I tell you what I'm going to do with that that I made a treaty with. I'm going to, if I can say it like this, I'm going to make my mistake work for me. You boys are now to be bondmen of hewers of wood and drawlers of water in the house of God. If I can't slay you, I'm going to make my mistake work for me. Honey, I think it'd be a good time this morning that some people that's been deceived by some things you say, you know what, honey, I realize that I did wrong and that I should have never joined with this thing. I'm going to make my mistake work for me. And look now, look at this. I want you to see this. When you go further into Joshua, Joshua chapter 21, verse 17, you can get it and see if it's there. Joshua 21, verse 17. The Bible says that Gibeon, out of the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon with her suburbs and Gibeon with her suburbs, the Bible says Gibeon was assigned as a land to the high priestly family of Aaron. Are you hearing me? In the allotments of land, Gibeon was given to the high priestly family of of Aaron and when we turn further pages over I'm saying this quick because I know I need to wrap up when we turn further pages over to 2nd Chronicles like chapter 1 verses 3 and 5 we see there you can go and get them 2nd Chronicles 1 verses 3 and 5 now look it's given to the high priestly family of Aaron Gibeon is this land where these people dwell the Bible says in verse number 1 is it up there for me thank you so much or verse 3 you're fine so Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon for there was the tabernacle the congregation of God which Moses the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness you see in this verse 4 going to verse number 5 moreover the brazen altar that Bezalel the son of Uri the son of Hur hath made he put before them the tabernacle of the Lord and Solomon and the congregation sought unto it what are you saying brother McGee I'm saying all of this that place became the center for training in God's word and worship and was even later where the tabernacle was stationed in Gibeah (laughs) someone say amen so not only through Joshua were they made he made his mistake to work for him but later in the days Gibeah that area that land and those people would be exposed to the most word 
the most worship and the most presence that anybody could because that's where the tabernacle was going to be right there in that place honey you know how to get beyond whatever it was that had deceived you you put it around where the word is you put it around where good old fashioned worship is you put it where the presence of God is why after he deceives you you're going to be turned away and all this stuff happens because he don't want he don't want you close to this because if you get close to this it might expose it might expose the deception if you hear this you might hear something that is contrary to what you believed was true are you hearing me he don't want us around this he wants to keep you from church keep you from the word keep you from all these things because the more so that you're like that he can ultimately deceive you snap you you and take your soul to a devil's hell folks be not deceived be not deceived the bible says god is not mocked be not deceived if you'll stand with me this morning The adversary is saving face. He's trying to save his own life. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. You're, you're, not, you're not going to. There's not some advantage that you're going to get out of an alliance with him, so to speak. Don't be deceived. It happened then. Jesus Christ warned against it for our day and even days beyond ours. Be not deceived. We got to take heed to ourselves. God, oh God, help me, Lord, every day. Help me, God. Lord, don't allow me to be, be deceived. Folks, we bow our heads in this place, and we have, we have some great means, great means to help prevent that, and that is. Folks, get to know your shepherd's voice. Get to know his voice through his word. Get to know his voice through prayer. Get to know the voice of the Lord. Please get to know it. Because there will be times all these other evidences of sight and smell and touch, all these other evidences, if you were to go by them, they're going to be telling you everything's all right, everything's good, this is fine, that's okay. But if you know the voice, if you know the voice of truth, if you know the voice of truth, you won't believe a lie, as Scripture says, and be damned. If you know the voice of truth, you won't, you won't have to worry about turning aside. You won't have to worry about serving and worshiping something false. But you'll stay, you'll stay honorable to the true. You'll stay honorable to the true. Let's bow our heads in this place this morning. This altar is open today. Amen. For whomsoever will. Because I tell you what, I, I want to be a child of God that I can approach the Lord and say, God, please help me not be deceived. Folks, it is there. It's rampant. It's a tactic of the enemy from beginning to end. He's going to use it over and over. He'll try to use it in our generation, your family, your own personal life. And if we already believe that he won't, boom, you're already deceived. Because he will. We've got to come to the Lord. Lord, help me, Jesus, today. God, help me not be deceived. Help me to know your voice. Help me to know the truth of your word. God, those things that have already taken advantage of me, help me, God, to take them, Lord, to the place of 
the word and take them to the place of worship. Take them to the place, Lord Jesus, of your presence. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.